What a beautiful name. What a powerful name. What a majestic name. What a glorious name. The name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Messiah, our King, our brother, our friend, the prophet, the priest, the king, the one who has all authority, the one who created all things and sustains them by the word of his power. This is Jesus. This is who you are. Oh Lord, stir in our hearts a greater hunger for the bread that only you can give to us. God, right now I pray you'd find a church that humbles themselves under the authority of your word. We just let go of preconceived notions and whatever stuff's happened this week that the devil would love to use to distract us from listening attentively and receiving today. We just choose right now in an act of faith and humility to cast those cares upon you because you care for us. And Father, I pray that You would find a church that says, speak to us, Lord. Change me. Help me to love you more. Help me to know you more. Help me to want to want you more even. Father, would you manifest your presence among us? Guard my mouth from error, Lord. Say what you want to say to your church. We're here for you. Say what you want to say for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, church, if you agree, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. It's a blessing to be back here in the house of the Lord with you. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verses 30 to 40. And if you do not have a copy of God's Word, just put your hand up right now because our ushers are coming forward. We want to put one in your lap, all right? We are going to be going verse by verse, line by line, through the second message in the Bread of Life discourse from John chapter 6. And in those Bibles that are being handed out right now, you can find this text on page 520. Page 520. And here we are continuing in our series through the Gospel of John chapters 5 to 7 called Life in the Sun. Well, as I said two weeks ago, we started into what is one of the most famous passages found in all of Scripture, and this is called the Bread of Life Discourse. And let's do a little recap, bring us up to snuff to how we got here, and this is the first of seven I Am statements that Jesus makes about himself. And the purpose of these I Am statements Jesus is defining correctly who he is. Now, people say Jesus is a lot of people, but when Jesus tells us who he is, we need to pay attention. So he's telling us the first of these seven I am statements to correctly describe and define who he is and his purpose and ministry as the son of God who came to save people from their sin and have life in him. And so each of these seven I am statements is a different aspect of who Christ is and his ministry among us. And so here in this discourse in John 6, he starts out by saying, I am the bread of life. Now, if you're looking to describe yourself, we we have to ask the question, okay, why out of all the things that Jesus could have said about himself, why did he start with bread? Why did he describe himself and use the imagery of bread? You see, we have to understand this, loved ones. In Jesus' day, bread was most often the main course at most meals. Bread was the main course. And it was one of the greatest sources of nutrition and sustenance of physical life. I mean, if you sat down at a table, you didn't pass the bread basket unless you wanted to go hungry. It was the main course. It was the greatest source of sustenance. But contrast that, I was thinking through this as I was preparing this introduction, contrast that with today in our views of bread. Often, 
bread has become nothing more than a side dish or an appetizer at meals before the more desirous food is served. I mean, when's the last time you went to Panera Bread and said, I'm going there for the bread? When's the last time you went to a restaurant and said, I don't care if I get the main course, I just want the bread? When's the last time? If the bread comes, it's like, meh, I might have some, maybe not. I can take a pass on that. Doesn't work like that in Jesus' day. And you see, that's a great picture of the spiritual contrast that is happening in our world today. It's happening in the, 20, in the first century. Here it is happening in the 21st century. Because we have a major problem that we face. The problem that you and I face every day. In every, literally every decision we're going to make. We quite often make Jesus. Let's be honest, loved ones. Love you so much. But let's be honest with this truth. In our day, we quite often make Jesus the side dish in our lives and not the main course. Would you agree? Jesus has become the side, or just like some of us will avoid bread altogether, we avoid him altogether when we make decisions in our marriages, with our families, with our situations. We just, Jesus is the side dish. And we go to Jesus after we've exhausted all of our feeble attempts to try to figure something out. Now it comes, okay, Jesus, I gotta come to you. It's time to go for the bread. We do the same thing. Like bread at our tables, we often live with a take-it-or-leave-it mentality with Christ. If nothing else works, I'll go to Jesus. And we look at him as the side dish for our lives to the main courses or desires of this world that it offers. In short, here's the reality. I'm so convicted with this truth today. In short, we live our lives hungering for the wrong bread. We live our lives hungering for the wrong bread. And the result is we live lives of emptiness. We might seek some temporal satisfaction in things. might feel good for a sec, but ultimately, loved ones, if it ain't the bread of life, it's leading you to emptiness. Emptiness, brokenness, fear, anxiety, hopelessness. Why? Why? Because our lives are spent trying to live from the bread of this world that will perish and can't sustain us. That's the best it can give us. So question as we start today, write this question down. Which bread are you living from today? What bread would your life show that you're living from? Because as Christians, here's the danger. Here's the danger. Here's my prayer for us today. As Christians, we can say the right thing. Yeah, Jesus is my bread because we know the right answer. But what's your heart saying? What do you truly believe? Because your beliefs, your beliefs are always shown through your behavior. Think about that. What bread are you living from today? And here in our text, we're going to see two life-changing beliefs that we must live by if we are to live from the bread of life and find true life in him. Ready to go? Let's get after it. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word. John chapter 6, verses 30 to 40. So they said to him, this is the Jewish mob that has followed Jesus to Capernaum. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Hear the word of the Lord, loved ones. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Such a stunning word from Jesus here. And what we see, the first thing we see is this. If we are to live from the bread of life, we must believe it comes from one place, God alone. If we are to live from the bread of life, not the bread that leads to brokenness and emptiness and all of this, we are to We must believe it comes from one place, God alone. And the question we're confronted with in these first three verses is this. True life comes from God alone. Where do I truly, truly believe it comes from? Where do I truly believe it comes from? Where's my life showing I believe true life comes from? Let's get some context. Context is key. Recall, Jesus is teaching in a synagogue at Capernaum. And mobs have followed him there. Here you go. So here he is. You see a map on the screen. There's Capernaum. So Jesus fed the 5,000 at Bethsaida, just up at the top there over to the right. Bethsaida, he fed the 5,000. Then he gets in a boat, or the disciples get in a boat. He walks on water, goes to Capernaum. Mob follows him as he, they want another meal. They follow him there. Now here he is at Capernaum. They track him down. Here's the synagogue at Capernaum. Okay, we've got an aerial view on the left, and then you're sitting in the synagogue On the right. This is where this confrontation is taking place. And why have they followed him here? Because this is the day, remember, this is the day after he performed the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish from a little boy's lunch. And most scholars agree that conservative estimates put that at about 20,000 plus people when you factor in women and children. So he's fed 20,000 plus people with five barley loaves and two fish. And they've just witnessed this. And why did he do this? Why does Jesus do signs? To point us back to him. To show us something about himself. And that was to display his deity and authenticate who he was as the son of God and Messiah. And so he has just finished, in the first part of this discourse, he has just finished challenging the people not to spend their lives pursuing the food that will perish. Remember he asked them the question, don't pursue the food that will perish. Rather, they must believe in him and he will give them the food that endures to eternal life. They don't like this, so look at their response in verse 30 and 31. Watch this. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So upon hearing this, the people respond to Jesus and they challenge him. This is a challenge they throw down. And they say, okay, Jesus, you say you're the bread of life? Time to back up your words, bro. It's time to prove it. It's time to prove. Show us. Show us. If you say you have all authority, I want you to show us our authority. And what do they do? They ask him to perform for them. They ask him to perform a sign so they would believe in him that he's the Messiah and can give food for eternal life. Now, here's what we have to understand. It was just the day before that most of these guys confronting Jesus here saw him feed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Does that seem strange? Yeah, perform a sign and we'll believe in you. You just saw one the day before. But that's what the hardened heart does. How much is enough? A little bit more. Perform for us, Jesus. Give us another sign. What you did yesterday is not good enough for me today. We, if we're not careful, we can fall into that trap too. And so they throw down the gauntlet. They're not just saying any sign, like, hey, do a little trick over here, Jesus. You know, go to the lake and like walk on it again. No, no, no. They throw down the gauntlet to him and say that if he wants them to believe in him, then he needs to perform a sign greater than the one Moses performed in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. When, when he gave 
Israelites manna to eat as they were wandering for 40 years. And just to add the little oomph behind their challenge, they quote scripture. Hey, I'm going to quote, I'm going to put some of God's authority behind this. So I'm going to go to Psalm, what they quote was Psalm 78, 24, and you can see that in 31. It says, oh yeah, Jesus, you think feeding 20,000 people is a big deal? Hey, yo, Moses fed 2 million Israelites in the wilderness with manna. And I've got the scripture backing to prove it. They go to 31. Look at this. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So you see, this is you know, a picture of what they believe manna looks like. is these flakes that are on the ground. And day by day, you can read about this in Exodus 16, verses 14 to 21, where God fed, you know, it says 600,000 men. But when you factor in women and children, that is upwards, again, scholars agree, about 2 million plus Israelites by dropping the bread and flakes from heaven. Now, why did they choose this miracle to test Jesus with. Out of all the miracles God did in the Old Testament, why choose the manna? Well, here's where we must understand. This is very important. In Jewish theology, in the rabbinical teachings, which was the oral history that was passed down, it wasn't biblical truth, but it was oral history of the rabbis that they passed down on the teachings of God. It's called the Mishnah and the Talmud. And what they did as they passed down these teachings... They regarded the manna in the wilderness, get this, as the miracle par excellence of the Old Testament in rabbinical teaching. It was the miracle par excellence even for the Messiah. And so rabbis taught that the Messiah would prove his authority by repeating just this miracle of manna, dousing the place with manna. If he's truly the Messiah, he's going to repeat it. And they held that Moses proved his authority by performing this miracle. And Deuteronomy 18.18, it says, God says, I will raise up a prophet like Moses. And ultimately, he's pointing to Jesus there. And so they're like, huh. If Moses is the first redeemer, he didn't feed just 20,000 people like you did on a beach. He fed a nation. He says, what do you got, Jesus? What do you got? Can you beat that? See, what happens here, though, is, and we have to be very careful in this, they are misapplying Psalm 78, 24, the truth of that. Psalm 78, 24, and in our small groups this week, you're going to dive into all of that about the importance of context in biblical interpretation. But they're misapplying this by giving the credit for the miracle to who? Who, who, who? God or, say it, say it louder, Moses. They're crediting Moses with the miracle of the manna. They're giving credit to people and not God. They are attributing to man what can only come from God. This is why Jesus gives them a loving but firm rebuke in verse 32. Look at 32. This is what he says. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, whenever he says that, he repeats it. Remember, he's like, pay attention, people. Pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread. He says, I know what you're doing. You're twisting it. It wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. See, Jesus rebukes them lovingly, and he says, pay attention, guys. You've got it wrong. You've got it wrong. You're twisting the word of God. Moses was not the one who gave you the bread that sustained you in the wilderness. There is no human ability that can give you that. You're putting your hope in man. And you're putting your hope in man that he's your redeemer. What comes from man. He didn't give you the bread. My father did. Don't put God the father second to Moses. Second to what you think is the work of man that can satisfy you. Do not give the glory that is to God and God alone, don't give that to man. And by the way, Moses would have been the first one to say that.
you think that manna was a big deal? He's like, you think that manna was a big deal? It was temporary. It didn't last. It ran out each day. Remember, you had to keep go collecting it except on the Sabbath. He says, the true bread, the real life-giving bread that God has sent, guess what? It's right in front of you. It is right in front of you. If you eat of this bread, it won't just nourish you physically for this life like the manna did in the wilderness. It will nourish your soul fully both for this life and for eternity. This earth is too small a goal. Now think about the reaction, loved ones. Moses was like par excellent prophet. And here's Jesus rebuking them for attributing to him. Think of their, like the gasp. (gasps) He's in that synagogue and just like, (gasps) jaws hit the floor, eyes open, shocking. (gasps) Here's Jesus out of love for them, rebuking them and saying, you've got it wrong. You're putting your hope in man and what he can do for you. Moses was a big deal. See, today though, look at today. Look at today. Bring it into today. Today we do the same thing. First century they're doing it. And here in the 21st century we do the same thing. People claiming that the bread of life can come from man-made, perishable things of this world that can come from man. And we're setting our hope in man and what he can accomplish and what he can do for us. We believe that redemption or life comes from man through things like food. If I just get to the fridge, I can numb the fear that I'm feeling. I can numb the anxiety. We put put our hope in things of man that resemble money. If I just have enough, I'll be secure. Or our grades, if I just get them high enough, then my future will be okay. That's perishable bread, loved ones. We put it in sex. If I just have that, then I'll feel comfortable and I'll feel close to people. I'll feel in relation. I'll feel intimate. That's going to lead to emptiness, loved ones. Brokenness. And we see that all around. I put, I put my hope in Instead of putting it in God and realizing that true life comes from God alone, I put, try to find true life in other relationships. I'm going to heap those expectations on my spouse to fulfill me. Not going to happen. I'm going to put them on my kids. You'll crush them. I'm going to put expectations on other people in the church to fulfill me in ways probably that I haven't even communicated to them. You're going to be disappointed. Every time. This is what happens when we set our hope in man. I'm going to put it in my possessions, my positions, my vacations, my own efforts. And when we pursue, and we pursue these things because they will believe we will, they will nourish our souls and sustain us and give us the true life and fill the void and keep us fulfilled. Won't happen. It's perishable bread. All of it. Yet the more we eat, notice this, the more we eat of the bread of man, the more we realize how quickly it will perish. Why do I have to keep running back to it? These Israelites had twisted the truth of God and believed it was a man who had redeemed them through something he did. And what does it do? It blinded them. It blinded them from being able to see the true bread, the true bread that was right in front of them because they refused to believe it came from God alone, and they set their hope in someone or something that couldn't deliver. We need to understand this truth, loved ones, and you'll see it on the screen. Take this, write it at your cubicle tomorrow, in your office, in your car, only true bread can give true life. Put it on the mirrors of your houses, in your bedrooms, everything else, only true bread can give true life. Only true bread can give true life. Loved ones, hey, and this is, this is a temptation for me as much as it is for you. Listen to this. Do not trust in man to give you what only God can. Do not trust in man to give you what only God can. You will be empty every time. True life comes from God alone. Question, where do you truly believe it comes from? Think about this in your own situation right now. Wherever you are from this week, 
Think about this. What are you running to and trust, trusting to find life in? Let's just be real, loved ones. Let's just be real on this and get business with the Lord. Are you willing? And if you think about that and the Holy Spirit brings something up, here, here's my second question to that. If you're running to anything to try to find life in apart from Christ, hey, hey, question. Are you willing to bank everything in your life on that thing? Your family, your kids, your identity, your soul? because you think that thing's gonna deliver? Are you willing to bank everything on it? That it's gonna come through for you? Think about it, be honest. Let's do business with the Lord. It's gonna bottom out. And here, believers, as I mentioned earlier, if you're here and you're a, a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, You've confessed him as your Lord and Savior and repented of your sin. Hey, hey, isn't it so easy to say the right thing and know the right answer to that question? Isn't it? That's a danger. That's a danger for us. But here's the litmus. Here's the litmus. You say, well, how do I tell? How do I tell if I'm running into those other things? Let's get drilled down, real applicational. What are your actions saying your heart truly believes? How about this? And the decisions you make, who do you pursue first when you're faced with that decision? You go to the Lord or you go to man or to yourself? or to other things. Who do you go to first? There's a litmus. How about this? What will your um, bank account say you go to? The bread you're pursuing. You're spending your money on. How about this? Your time. Where does most of your time go? Does it show you believe true life is found in Christ alone? How about this? The words you use, the priorities you keep, the entertainment that you choose. Think about it, loved ones. Use it as a litmus. Is what I'm doing right now showing that Christ, I believe, is the true bread and only true life is found in him? It's been very convicting. There's been times when you read through this text and I go downstairs and, and talk to Natalie. I'm like, we gotta clean out some of those DVDs that are downstairs. We gotta clean them out right now because they are not pointing us or anyone else to Christ and building us up in him, they need to go. They struggle with this as much as anybody. But at the end of the day, true life is only found in true bread. You take that before you and the Lord and your spouse and your family, if you have them. Are you drawing near to him? Are you drawing nearer to God in all things through his word? Just spending time abiding with him. Spending time abiding in him, in prayer with him, in worship to him. Are we, hey loved ones, are we feasting on the true bread? Or are we starving at the buffet of life? The buffet of the world. Are we feasting on the true bread? Are we drawing near to him that, or are we drawing near to the world, eating the bread that will perish? Talk is cheap. What does your life show? Hey, parents, you want a real humbling thing? Ask your kids. Ask your kids. Where do you think daddy believes is the most important thing to pursue? Where's that? Ask them and listen. Ask your friends, ask your coworkers, ask your neighbors, roommates. If we are to live from the bread of life, we must believe it comes from only one place, God alone. And lastly, we must believe it comes through only one person, Christ alone. We must believe it comes from only one place, God alone, point two, we must believe it comes from one person, Christ alone. Here's the question confronting us in the last eight verses of this discourse. True life is found in Christ alone. Will I come to him? That's the question. That's the question being asked by Jesus here. That's what he's asking us this morning. Will I come to him? Let's read verses 33 to 35. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
See, Jesus now gives, gives us clarity as to what the true bread of heaven, the true bread of God that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world really is. And after the crowd responds sarcastically in verse 34, they're like, oh yeah, the true bread? Why don't you give us this bread always? That's sarcastically they're saying that. They're not like, oh yeah, we totally see it. Give us you. They're like, eh, give us the bread if it's so good. They respond sarcastically to him in 34, and they think he's still speaking of some physical bread, and they said, hey, give us this bread always. If it's so fulfilling, why wouldn't you want that? Hey, I want some of that. I want to get in on that deal, Jesus. Eternal life, hey, bring it on. And he responds, he says, hey guys, look here. Verse 35, I am the bread of life. I am the bread. The bread is me. He himself, Jesus himself is the true manna, the true bread that has come down from heaven to be given to the world to sustain and to nourish and not just give physical life here, but spiritual life, both now and into eternity for all who repent of their sin and come to him. Jesus is the true and only bread of life now and eternally. And all God's people said, amen. That is the climax of this discourse. And next week we're going to see how he repeats it two times more just to drive it home. He says, guys, you're searching for it. You're, you're going to put your hope in manna? You're going to put your hope in manna? Put your hope in me. I am the true manna. I'm the one that will sustain you. You know, it's the beautiful picture of John 3.16. You'll see it on the screen where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the true bread of heaven, that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him, should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he sent his son as fully God and fully man. Who lived a perfect life for 33 years without one sin. And who went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin that separates us from God. And he's buried and he's raised to life three days later after the wrath of God being poured out on him that you and I deserve. Jesus takes that and is raised again three days later, defeating sin and death for all time. And now forgiveness and freedom in him is available to all who call on his name. That's the beautiful gospel. That is the beautiful bread of life. He's the only one who can give it. And you may ask, you may ask here this morning, well, you know, what does this mean for my life? Great, the gospel. We hear this gospel, gospel, gospel. Isn't that just when I get saved? What about the rest of my life? The gospel is all at work in that too. And you say, what does this mean for how I, what does the gospel mean for how I live day to day beyond the saving moment? As if that's not awesome enough. But what does that mean when I'm at work? What does it mean when my kids are having a meltdown? What does that mean in that moment when I'm having a fight with my spouse? What does that mean there? The gospel. Well, here, here, here. Eating of the bread of life, trusting in Christ. Here's what it means. When I eat of the bread of life, three promises we see in this text. We're going to pull it right out of the text. Write them down on the screen. Here we go. Promise number one. When I eat the bread of life, I eat the bread of fulfillment. Jesus Christ will satisfy me. When I eat the bread of life, I eat the bread of fulfillment. Jesus Christ will satisfy me. Look at the back half of 35. Let's just read all of 35 again because it's so good. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. See, Jesus says that for those who genuinely believe in him as their Lord and Savior. And when he says believe, he's not talking about, oh yeah, well, I believe a guy named Jesus lived once. No, that's not believe he's talking about. Yeah, I know some things about Jesus, and that's not what he's talking about. He says, putting your faith and trust in him alone as your Lord and Savior. Seeing ourselves rightly in light of who he is, saying, Jesus, you are the Savior. I am a sinner. I am dead without you. Forgive me. You are my Lord. That's the belief he's talking about here. And he 
will satisfy the deepest and most fundamental longings of our hearts. And here's what, here's what happens. He says, you eat of this bread, you eat of the bread of life, here's what happens. There's an increasing, increasingly we hunger less for the perishable bread of this world. Those things, as we draw near to Christ, and as we walk with him, and by the power of his Holy Spirit, keep in step with him, the things of this world that were so tempting before, you ever notice it? And not to say that you're never tempted by that again, but the stranglehold that it had on you gets less and less. And you're like, you know what? That's garbage. That's going to lead to nowhere good. I'm going right here. That's a sign of the bread of life alive in you. You know, the things that I was seeking my identity in, that fear of man and, 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 you know, people's opinion of me and what they think of me, you know what? It's not as important as what Christ thinks of me right now. Bam, bread of life. There you go. Talk about feasting on that. That's worth feasting on. When you say, loved ones, that's worth feasting on. You know, my kids are having a meltdown in the grocery store and they're losing it and people are like looking at me like, what's up with you? You know what? Praise the Lord. I'm saved in Christ. My identity isn't changed. Amen. Amen. <laughs> You see, but that's what happens when we start eating the bread. We don't need my kids to satisfy me. I don't need you to love me to be satisfied. Jesus Christ loves me. My identity is in who he says I am. I don't have to go to you. I don't have to fish for compliments. I don't have to look at all these things to get fulfillment. Jesus Christ fulfills me. That's what happens when you feast on him and you eat of the bread of life that is available to you and in front of you right now and every single moment of every single day. Wham. That's life changing. And does it mean you're never gonna have a dry season where you're like, Lord, I'm, not, I'm just not feeling close to you? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that in faith, as you eat of the bread of life and God brings you in his sovereignty into situations where you might not hear him as clearly or you might not feel him as clearly. Listen, listen, listen. He hasn't gone anywhere. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. He says, loved one, don't you dare think that I've abandoned you. I gave my life for you. You keep eating, and I will fill you up. There is no low-carb diet for the Christian. You understand? There's none of that, loved ones. When it comes to our spiritual fulfillment in Christ, it's all about the carbs. All right? The bread of life, loved ones. You eat of that every day, and Jesus is like, you might not feel it in this moment, but I'm right here. I'm watching over you. I love you. And that does not change. I love this because <laughs> look at what Matt Carter says. He says, commentator Matt Carter, he says, our starving souls find no nourishment until they feast on Christ. And I just want to encourage you, if you're here and you're in one of those dry seasons or a season of discouragement, I want to encourage you to keep pressing into the bread of life. Keep feasting on him even when you don't feel like he's at work. Even when you don't feel like doing it. You say, Lord Jesus Christ, in faith, I'm just coming before you again. Fill me today. Do your work. Help me to stand firm and keep me. Keep me in your ways. He says, yes. Yes, I will. I'm right here. Trust him. Question, are you feasting on him? Are you feasting on him? Because I guarantee you, in that trial and that discouragement, any bread of this world is going to bottom out. But he won't. He satisfies, he fulfills. Okay, second promise. I wish I could just do a whole sermon series on that point. But here we go. Second, bread of life, three promises. When I eat of the bread of life, I'm eating of the bread of security. Jesus Christ will keep me. Look at verses 37 to 39. So encouraging right here. All the Father gives me, Jesus says, will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. See what he says there? Jesus says that all those people whom God the Father, in his sovereignty has chosen to be saved. That's the term given, that he's given me. God the Father has chosen. We're gonna get into that more next week when we look at the sovereignty of God in drawing people to himself. He says, all that God has drawn to Christ, he says, are going to come. Those who God has chosen, 
They're going to come to Christ by the Father drawing him. And although, hear, hear, hear this, loved ones, we must make a willing decision to believe in Christ, it is the Father that is drawing us to Christ and gives us the faith to make it. It's a work of God. It's not a work of ourselves. It's called the doctrine of election. And whoever comes to Christ, listen, look at this beautiful promise. Whoever comes to Christ, you see it in the text, he promises to never cast out. Those who genuinely come to him. He's like, you might not feel me working. You might not see me working, but I love you. I won't cast you out. I won't cast you out. You're mine. I, the word cast out there means reject or banish. It means, oh, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. Well, you didn't, you didn't pan out what I wanted to do. See ya. Nah, you're not doing, nah, see ya. No. God's like, you're secure. You eat the bread of life, you eat the bread of security. I'm going to keep you, and I will raise you up on the last day with me. No one can snatch you, John 10, 31. No one can snatch you from my hand. He will keep them secure in him for all eternity as his child in his family. Isn't that beautiful? Eternal security. Once saved, forever following. You might have dry seasons, yep. But once saved, forever following. Why? Because it's not your effort, that is it. it's Christ's work in you once saved forever following now just think about this can we bring it into today for a moment on a deeper level we live in a world look around us loved ones we live in a world that makes living on rejecting and casting out people it makes a living on this stuff living and rejecting when when people don't measure up why do you think the divorce rates are so high Oh, my wife didn't turn out to be who I thought she was. We've fallen out of love. I'll get a new one. That's the bread of the world. Oh, your, your, your job, you're not performing to the standards we've set for you. And di- Listen, listen we're going to let you go. Get someone else who's willing to sacrifice their family and everything else for the quotas that we put for you. We'll just get someone else. We'll cast you out. You see this in sports. There's athletes who come off the most amazing seasons they've ever had, and the next year they don't perform so well. What do they do? They get let go because you're only good as your last result. Not when you eat of the bread of life. That's the bread of security. That's 100% eternal security. Amen? And it's not based on your merit or on mine. It's based on his mercy. It's based on his mercy and his love for you. Let's not try to perform for Jesus. He sees us and knows us better than we know ourselves already. That's such a powerful truth today. Our hope and future is secure in him. You eat the bread of life means you eat the bread of security. And say, how do we know? Look at 38 and 39. He goes on to tell us. Just read it from the text. Let's do it. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. That I should, look at this. Here's the Father's will. Ready? That I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. Not one person who God has drawn to Jesus Christ and is saved in him will be lost. Will be raised up, all of them, on the last day. Take it from the Savior's mouth. Don't take my word for it. Take it from his. Not one Why? Because it is the will of God to see you and I brought safely and securely to our eternal home with him. Where you don't have to clean yourself up no matter your past, no matter what sin you're engaged in right now. You don't have to be a spiritual elite. Notice in that key word in verse 37, it says, whoever comes to me. He's like, you don't got to be a spiritual A-lister. I've seen what's going on. You come to me. It's whoever comes to me that the Father is drawing to me and says, Jesus, I need you. Whoever means whoever. And some of us, 
I want to be very sensitive here. Some of us may have had earthly fathers that didn't model the image of God to us, and we were rejected and cast out. And Jesus, in his kindness, he comes, he says, hey, loved one, I see you're broken. I've seen the hurt. I've seen the pain. I'm a father to the fatherless. You eat the bread of life. You eat the bread of love. You eat the bread of security. You eat the bread of fulfillment. You eat the bread of hope. You eat the bread of healing. You eat the bread of unity and adoption. You come to me. I will not cast you out. My love for you is not based on your performance. It's based on my perfection. I love you. Come to me. such a powerful word whoever means you and it means me question true life true life is found in Christ alone will you come to him will you come to him third promise and lastly is this when we eat the bread of life we eat the bread of fulfillment Jesus Christ will satisfy me We eat the bread of life, we eat the bread of security. Jesus Christ will keep me. And lastly, we see this. We eat the bread of life, we eat the bread of hope. Jesus Christ will save me. Watch this, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus sums up this section by stating that everyone who truly looks on him, that means believes in him, who's had their eyes opened by the Holy Spirit, believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, shall be saved from their sin, have eternal life in him. And now we get a glimpse of the eternal life as we are transformed more into his image day by day, and one day we will see it in full when we are with him. Amen? That's coming soon. And he's going to raise us up from physical death to eternal life with him on the last day, the day when Christ comes back. And in this moment, think about the magnitude of this promise. You want to eat some bread of life right now? Here's a promise from that bread of life. No more pain. Look around this world full of pain. No more sorrow, loved ones. No more suffering. No more disappointments. Here's a big one for us today. No more sickness. Yeah, amen. Here's the thing. No more sin. No more fear. We live in a world that is just gripped by fear. And the fearful world needs a fearless church to pursue them, Tozer says. Amen. No more fear. No more anxiety. No more rejection. No more performance-based identities. No more disappointment, no more death. Why? Because the bread of life is the bread of salvation and it is available to all today. And if we are to live from the bread of life, we must believe it comes from God alone and believe it comes through Christ alone. And final question is this, will you come to him? You can keep trying to eat the bread of this world. Not gonna help. Not gonna help. And if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your savior, Your first step, the first step is just to say, turning from your sin, declaring, Jesus, there is no true life without you. I believe it. I believe you are who you say you are. I am a sinner, and you are my Savior. I need you. You are my Lord. That's that's where it all starts, right there, in that genuine confession. And then believers, if you're here, let me just ask you this. What bread are you feasting on? What's your next step from living from the bread of life, abiding with him in his word, saying, you know what we do when we abide? We, we need to take the time to get up in the morning and even though we're tired and we had a late night, and you know what we're saying? When we come before the Lord, he says, Lord, I want you. Lord, I want you. I'm ready to abide with you. Are we spending time feasting on the bread of life in prayer, talking with him, saying, what's prayer saying? Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And then are we spending time feasting on the bread of life in individual and corporate worship? We're saying, Lord, I praise you. 
Lord, I praise you through the fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to isolate myself. And I come under the teaching of God's word, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Don't forsake meeting together. This is abiding together in the presence of God. I'm going to feast on the bread of life, coming under the word together, making that a priority even when soccer is on the weekend. And we repent of, guys, can I just encourage you, brothers and sisters, if I needed to do this week, we just need to repent of areas where Jesus has become our side dish. And the bread of the world has become the main course because we're trusting in it to give us what only Christ can. Here's the good news. He won't cast us out, but will you come to him? Let's pray. Jesus Christ, you, you are the bread of life. You have said it so clearly. God, forgive us. And so often, many times throughout the day, we chase the bread of the world that cannot satisfy, and you become little more than a side dish on our plate. God, I pray right now in your mercy and your love as we hear your word, we would not just brush it off, but we'd say, Lord, Show me. Show me where I'm doing this. God, I, I want to eat of the bread of life, the true bread that can only come from you through your son who gave his life for me. And God, I pray that as we turn our hearts to you in this, we would know without a doubt, with firm convictions, with such fortitude in this moment right now to know that it is in Christ alone my hope is found. It is in Christ alone that I am saved it is in Christ alone that I'm secure. It's in Christ alone that I'm fulfilled. It's in Christ alone that his love for me will not change. It's in Christ alone I find my strength. It's in Christ alone I find my peace. Jesus, I choose to eat of the bread of life afresh today. In your name we pray. Will you stand to respond with us, loved ones?